Is hookup culture good, bad, or something in between? We discuss this and more with special guest Kat Harris on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for those who love to have fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, sanctimonious single, and with me, as always, is my magnificently monogamous co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and perfect little angel. <laughs> <laughs> Pure little angel. I'll okay. Say. Yeah, yes. that's my... <laughs> uh, yes, yes, as everybody who has listened to us for more than five minutes knows. Exactly. Um, that's right. I am an angel. Well, and as with us today, again, is a very special guest, she is the host of the Refined Collective podcast, author of Sexless in the City, and founder of the online platform Refined Woman. She has also been a full-time photographer for over a decade with her work featured in The New York Times, WWD, Vanity Fair, GQ, Forbes, People, Who, What, Where, US Weekly, Glamour UK, and more. In everything she does, her goal is to create a safe space for all people to have honest and layered conversations around faith, sexuality, relationships, culture, identity, and everything in between. She is the cool, the calm, the collected Kat Harris. Kat, welcome to the show. <laughs> I mean, the bio went great until you said cool, calm, collected. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm like I... fiery, opinionated, burn the patriarchy down. Like... <laughs> you can be both. You can be both. Okay, thank you. Thank you yes. for not putting me in a box. Well, I can be both. Life is both yeah. and not either you, or, you, right? Exactly. You have, you know, you contain multitudes. The truth is that you are one of a select group of two people with names that begin with K that have been on this podcast often enough that I've run out of K adjectives names uh, for you oh. so so i'm going on to the seas now by the way oh, I, hey. this, after after the bio i'm really excited to have cat on as you as anyone who's been with us for the past few years you know that we've had her on almost every time during our, our love sex relationship month and uh you guys have put her multiple episodes into our top 10 most downloaded so thousands of you have been really enjoying these conversations and i have to believe it's because cat has some really good hot takes and i know you guys get tired of us disagreeing with each other all the time <laughs> so this has been really fun to have on and actually have some pushback on some of these things that we grew up with or just believe implicitly so i'm really excited to have this conversation about ah yes we're talking about hookup culture the good the bad and the ugly but first if um we're going to talk about this but first nathan before we get into that if people enjoy our discussion which people very often do seemingly um and want to engage more with things we like to talk about and uh and meet other overthinkers like themselves where should they go they can go to the overthinkersjournal.com where they can find out more about their hosts and send us all of their love and hate mail. Uh, they can also go to our online overthinkers group where we have uh, about 14,000 of you, I believe now, hanging out, getting great discussions and it's mostly memes. So <laughs> go and talk about and enjoy the memes. Um, and if you do enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving us a review and sharing with a friend. Both of those things really do help us so very much. Awesome, ready to get started? Let's do it. Oh, I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> Let's do All right. it. <laughs> All right. Hookup culture is defined by the American Psychological Association as a culture or subculture of brief, uncommitted sexual encounters between individuals who are not romantic partners or dating each other. Commonly is used to refer to a culture or subculture where such encounters 
are an accepted part of the normal dating process. Hookups began to be more common in the U.S. and Western countries in the 1920s as young people migrated from uh, to the city from the watchful eyes of their parents and close knit communities to large people pursuing relationships of the opposite sex in cities of strangers. Hookup culture fully took off in the 60s and 70s as birth control became more widely available and therefore reduced the risk of pregnancy for women. Since then, popular culture has taken for granted that casual sex is the norm, with most movies and TV shows from Seinfeld and How I Met Your Mother to Sex in the City and Euphoria portraying hookup culture, hook culture, including among the underage, as an expected and healthy part of dating life. Many people have celebrated this trend, arguing that it's freed both men and women from being ashamed to conformity with society's expectations around sex and free to have sex the way that makes the most happy. Others, most famously the religious right, claimed that hookup culture was dehumanizing transactional way of using sex for both parties, and the only proper way of using it was a committed monogamous bonds of marriage. This gave rise to the countercultural purity culture movement of the 90s, which tried but largely failed to reverse the trend toward promiscuity. Recently, more and more feminists have actually joined the critique against hookup culture, with recent feminist, for example, recent feminist author and columnist Louise Perry's book, The Case Against the Sexual Revolution, argument that hookup culture actually exploits women rather than liberates them. So, Kat, you have been on both sides of this and on your own side of this, uh, you know, starting out in the, you know, sort of the conservative Christian community, then ending up in the city where, and, and you know, where the hookup culture is very prevalent and different, very different value system, and then came to serve your own place of that. So, what place have you come to in terms of how you see hookup culture and how you see those things and how did you sort of get there? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think first of all, I'm glad that you guys are asking these questions and I'm glad that you're willing to have, you know, nuanced and layered conversations here because I think where I feel, where I believe that church culture really failed us is church culture gave us a set of rules do's and don'ts and we demonized things things are either good or bad it's black mm. or white you're either pure or impure you mm. you save this one specific act until marriage then you're you have a seat at the table and what we did not learn from church culture was how to think for ourselves how to develop a sexual ethic Hmm. how to identify how can I be an in integrity with myself? Hmm. What is self-integrity? What is sexual integrity? And so something that I am super committed to is not teaching like, here's three things that you should or shouldn't do. And I even don't want to answer the question is hookup culture good or bad? Because right. I think that still remains within this very binary way of looking at life and experiencing life when life is technicolored and there's so much going on, but how do we teach people how to identify their core values, identify how does my faith inform how I show up in the world, in my career, in my love life, in hookup culture and dating, whatever it is, and normalizing desire. I think that's the first thing is to normalize, oh, I'm out. I feel like making out with that random person, or you know what? I kind of do feel like having a one night stand, or I feel curious about that. Just normalizing that desire first and then we get to check in with ourselves. Okay. Hey, is that in alignment with my values? Is that in alignment with who I want to be? Is that, is that in alignment with, with my faith? If my faith is a part of my value system. And then from there, I get to make an autonomous hmm. choice with ownership and responsibility from the inside out of how I want to show up, whether it be hookup culture or dating or whatever. And I can show up with 
taking ownership over the space I'm taking up in the room. Because I think what happens with church culture when we're approaching things like hookup culture is like, well, we're, we immediately, you know, you have the episode hookup culture, the good, the bad, the ugly, but it's like in Christian culture, it's like already demonized. Like, sure. so we can, it's like, you can have a conversation about it, but we're not really having a real conversation if we're not really to zoom out and look at the whole part of it. And I think what I, I think what happens then is I make an outside in decision. Well, I love God. Sex outside of marriage is bad. I don't want to be bad. I don't want to lose my membership to the club. And so I can't do this. So I I shouldn't. So I don't. Mm. And that is me becoming a victim then to my faith, my spirituality, my, my Christianity, whatever you want to call it, as opposed to stopping and pausing. And this was my whole journey when you asked, well, how did I get to where I got? And I'll tell you later what I do believe about hookups. Um, but part of it is like giving, giving myself the permission to go on a journey, hmm. giving myself the permission to ask questions, to hmm. look at it from the other side of things, instead of saying, well, the assumption here is that this is bad. Well, yeah. is there a world where a hookup could be healthy? What is that world like? And I think what can happen is Christian culture is just like, no, wrong, bad, ah, don't look at it. Don't think about it. Don't talk about it. And then we can't have a full conversation about it. And then I think that strips us of our autonomy. Um, so I don't know if you guys have any thoughts about that. No, before that's that's great. I, I hear what you're, what you're saying. Correct me if I'm wrong is, you know, Christians, especially in the modern evangelical culture have kind of approached a lot of these more sensitive subjects from the top down, kind of from a, it's been decided. It's already been, you know, this is wrong. Uh, the people who have decided this we, is decided a long time ago. Don't worry about it. Uh, this is wrong. And so it sounds like what you're saying, is you, and you're not coming to a conclusion yet. And I'm excited to hear you dive into this subject more about what you think about the practice and all this. But you sound like you want to encourage people to start at the bottom. Rather than starting with the answer, start with the question. Start with what, and that's something we're big fans of doing here on the podcast. Obviously, mm -hmm. if you've been listening long enough, you know that Joseph and I have a lot of opinions and thoughts, but we we also have people on, you know, uh, as everyone knows, we're, we're Christians. We also had an atheist on because we wanted to challenge, to investigate, not just assume, well, that this is what is. So I think that's a really healthy thing yeah. to start with. Let's actually investigate and question these things. But I do think there is a, a good, um, it's a good strategy to move towards answers because I do think that answers can give us direction and guidance in life. Um, whether or not that looks like what you've been taught, what your pastor says, what that mm -hmm. book you read says, what Josh Harris said uh, then or what he says now. Um, you know, so <laughs> I, I think that moving towards answers, and by that I mean moving towards an understanding of truth, is a good thing. So honey, it may seem impossible. That's the gospel truth. And so when I when I when I hear about this subject of um, hookup culture, and it definitely goes part and parcel with um, this kind of the the inverse of purity culture. Um, I think what it, it I will be bra brave enough. I will be uh, <laughs> honest enough to say I think purity culture was really damaging. Mm -hmm. um, and I and I will also go far enough to say that I think hookup culture actually accomplishes the same kind of destructiveness that. Um, that purity culture did. I think both kind of ended up with the same uh, kind of view of women and sexuality. 
um, that, you know, we, we look at women as sexual objects. I think both purity culture and hookup culture does that. And we'll dive into that more. Um, but I, but I'm excited to a little bit dive into help people begin asking those questions. Cause I think mm -hmm. you're right. I think it's good yeah. to start out asking the questions that maybe you weren't allowed to growing up in church, mm -hmm. but I do think, yeah. Um, but so I'm excited to help people today to maybe start asking those questions they never have so they can come to the conclusion that will hopefully bring them a better, safer, uh, more full life as opposed to here's what the answer is. Yeah. Right. So what, right. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, so what, what were some of those questions you started asking and, and what kind of answer did you come to for yourself? Yeah. Well, I think. First of all, it was important for me to understand. And this was very hard for me. I, I was, I mean, I was obnoxious, like in my 20s. Aren't we all? I was like, you know, total Calvinist, like reformed everything. Ooh, oh, like, I'll go. You were like I was way like over 5. there. 5.2 up. Like, I mean, I was oh like, you have an Arminian, let me fight you. Um, I mean, yeah, very, very, like very obnoxious. Um, and so I thought there's a right way and there's a wrong way. Mm. and the right way I mean I was at a point in my life and when I was like in college where I didn't even want to date a person unless they were my husband and talk mm. about pressure on dating yeah. I was that person who thought there's a right way or a wrong way and even within dating that's how I approached it. I was like well this is the right way and this is the wrong way and hookup mm. culture is wrong and bad and I thought there was a a blanket prescription for all people at all time. Mm. And now how I try to approach that is, all right, do I have the space for myself to be in process? Do I have space for other people to be on a journey? And is it possible that once I identify my core values and how my faith informs my values, is it possible that someone else may be on a different part of that journey and come up with a different set of boundaries that is healthy for them? And I think in the beginning when I was in that place, I thought, oh, well, am I'm just like a postmodern, like everyone live your truth. And <laughs> I can see how people would think that. But I also really think that God meets us where we're at. And I mean, I had a friend that was a really dear friend and she's like in her thirties, never been kissed and saving that for the altar, which I actually think is absurd. <laughs> I think it's crazy. Um, but she is also one of the most grounded people and has so much freedom in her faith that mm. I'm like, girl, that is your journey. And if you mm. feel that conviction and that out of a place of freedom and not shame, then you get to be on that journey. Now, if I feel okay, like having sleepovers with my boyfriend or exploring sexually, and I feel in alignment with my body with God, with my values, then that's also okay. Um, so for me, the first part was getting over this hump of like, there's a right or wrong for all people at all time, mm -hmm. because also like, let's just be real. Everything that we are doing in modern dating would be considered quote unquote, sexual immorality in the Bible. Like, oh yeah, even just what you we're weren't doing anything. So any, like any kissing, anything, anything and everything is outside of the realm of what like was prescribed as purity in first century Roman culture for women. I will say men were allowed to do whatever the hell they wanted. Women, if they did anything with any man that was not their husband would be stoned to death. Hmm. Um, 
or turn into a slave or um, just really, really terrible things. And so I think it's looking at that. And then the second thing that really happened to me to answer your question is I started doing a lot of research on uh, sex. Mm-hmm. A couple books that were really profound for me were Girls and Sex by Peggy Orenstein and Boys and Sex by Peggy Orenstein. Um, the Great Sex Rescue by Sheila Gregoire. She's like an evangelical thinker. I mean, that book is amazing. Mm-hmm. But essentially what really shifted for me was opening my mind to this idea that sex is not just one act. And mm-hmm. Peggy Orenstein quotes a collegiate professor. I don't remember where he goes. His name is Daniel Fortenberry. And he encourages people to look at sex as more of a pool of experiences as opposed to a vertical race up a ladder to get to one point. Hmm. And so the whole invitation is to look at your sexuality more holistically. And from there, you kind of get to decide, okay, like, how do I want to explore this? Like, because what happens, you're right, in hookup culture And the extreme of hookup culture and the extreme of purity culture is like sex is one act and it is to get an orgasm. And once you achieve that goal, it's over period, the end, which by the way, often what that is surrounded by is, is surrounded by male pleasure. And when we take into account things like over 75% of women don't climax internally, they climax through external stimulation, then we really have to expand our, our idea and perspective of what sex is. So in my book, I talk a lot about like, I stopped considering myself a virgin a long time ago, because I now think that sex is a lot of things. I think it's all of it. I think making out, I think it's all of it. So then that opens me up to, okay, how do I want to approach this? And then third, I would say what came up for me is I finally let myself color outside the lines a little bit. And what that looked like for me is after, you know, I have gone through a whole deconstruction of of my faith, but I, or, and in that I thought, okay, is it possible for me to experience something casual with a man and not have these like soul ties or, you know, be, oh my gosh, like I'm connected to them forever, you know, cause that's all I had ever heard. And before I even like tried that, I I looked back at my twenties and I mean, I made out with guys all the time. I would, I talk about this in my book. I would stay out till I make out. That's what like (laughs) my, like my Christian girlfriends and I would do. And I remember we would, make out with guys at bars or at parties and go home. And I eventually did develop a conviction about that because I was like, Oh, I'm using this person to scratch an itch. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there were other times where I could look back and say, Oh, like I had a really beautiful experience with that person. Well, it was a make out. I don't really do a lot of sleepovers mainly because I have a terrible time sleeping with someone in my bed. (laughs) So I only really want to like, get used to sleeping with someone in my bed if it's like hey we're we gonna get in a relationship because otherwise it's gonna be like three weeks of me not sleeping here um so i i really let myself kind of explore oh like i have had casual experiences that felt really helpful for me and one of the things why i'm not saying everyone needs to go hook up because also what is a hookup I love how Mindy Kaling talks in one of her books. She's like, I still don't understand what hookup means. It either means like you're, you held hands with a guy last night or you had like an orgy, like everyone's definition of hookup is different. Hookup 
culture definition is different for everyone. And so really just allowing what, what I wanted to get curious about is I want to allow myself to explore and gain information about what I do or do not want, because only when I have information, can I really give consent? And I think, and that's really what's changed for me is I felt in purity culture, it was like, everything's off the table, save everything all the time for your spouse. And now I'm like, well, if I want to have like informed consent, I need to know what I do or do not want. And in every other area of our lives, we give ourselves and others the permission to kind of fumble our way forward and learn and grow. And part of knowing, oh, that's a boundary for me is by hitting up against that boundary. Um, Because in my last few years of deconstruction, I have allowed myself to color outside the lines and I'll let people think whatever they want to think about what I'm saying about what I did or did not do. I'm not going to define it because I also notice when people want to know exactly what I have and haven't done, it's really, they're trying to find a formula for themselves. And so they're not wanting to do the work or they're trying to like, test my, my credibility. Like, am I still mm-hmm. worthy of talking about a Christian message? Because if I had a sleepover, that's okay. But if I did oral sex and that that's bad and naughty mm-hmm. and uh, sh- we can't listen to anything Kat says anymore. All the line drawing. Sure. The line drawing. And so For me, it was really allowing myself to like, all right, be in a situation and notice, okay, what's coming up for me? What do I want? And then having some experiences where I'm like, yeah, like I wouldn't want to do that again, (laughs) you know, or like I was dating casually last fall and ended up in a relationship with an incredible man that treated me wonderful and I mean, gasp, he was Catholic, like, ooh, scandalous. Five years ago, I would never have dated a Catholic. We like, like Catholics well, here. Yeah. They're you not, they're not real Christians. I mean, well, neither are Arminians. Yes. <laughs> or Calvinists. The Calvinists. No one's a real Christian. No one's a real Christian except for the Calvinists. Um, but all that to say is like, for me, approaching it from a more like nuanced space of how can I approach this with curiosity? Mm-hmm. and trust that, hey, I, I might have an experience and I might not want to have that again. Or I'm, I might have an experience and then realize, oh, like I thought that, like I think in my book, I I shared that my current boundary at the time that I wrote the book was that I did not want to have um, any skin-to-skin contact or any sleepovers with people I was dating. Um, and that boundary has shifted for me now. And I think that's the thing with boundaries is, we're allowed to change our minds. And I think even as I say it, what I don't want someone to hear is like, well, I'm just saying like, do whatever you want, whenever you want to justify your sin or whatever. I don't think that, but I have found in my own life that I have had some casual experiences and I don't feel soul ties. And I feel like, wow, like I'm so grateful I met that person. And that like in the fall, I went on some dates with an ethically non-monogamous guy so a polyamorous guy. Mm-hmm. And I told him from the get-go, I was like, look, I'm looking for a long-term monogamous relationship. I want to be married. Like that's what I'm looking for. But I was like, I'm actually just really curious to like talk to you and pick your brain, you know? Um, and we went on a couple of dates and we, all we did was like make out in my car a couple of times, but it was a casual experience. And on by our second date, he had read my book in one day and came wow. with like 10 pages of notes and questions. And he was like, this is so cool. I love 
that you're like talking about sexuality and who knew Jesus was such a feminist? And I was like, <laughs> I know, right? Um, and so I've had these lovely experiences where when I've given myself permission to like be on a journey and just get to know someone and see what comes up in those spaces, then I could make decisions in those moments rooted in my boundaries. Like I was went on a couple of dates with the ethical non-monogamous guy and he was like, I really want to have sex with you. And I was like, you know what? That's not going to work for me because I'm looking for a long-term monogamous relationship, but I do feel attracted to you and I'll totally make out with you in my car right now. <laughs> we had a nice make out and then he went on his way and I went on my way and I don't regret that at all. Um, so, so, yeah. so I think that that's, that's really interesting. So like a lot of what I'm hearing you say, and of course, obviously, correct me if I'm wrong, is, you know, you've been really going on a journey to allow yourself to explore the boundaries that you have and um, explore the questions about what a, a good, healthy sexuality and sex life looks like, not prescribed by other people, but uh, that you find out for yourself. I think there's a lot of good to that. Again, I, I, you know, we always talk on this podcast about how if something is true, then you are, um, it's not going to be destroyed by you asking questions mm -hmm. or by you looking for evidence for what you believe. Or poking it, searching it. Poking yeah. it and searching it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think one of the things that I sort of, you know, I'll push back on maybe is like a lack of, you know, um, or maybe to have you clarify if yeah. I'm misreading is, you know, it's most of what you've emphasized, like, well, what's a boundary for me that I feel at inside that is where, you know, a lot of uh, how, if do I feel good? Do I feel soul ties? Do I feel those things afterwards? And as you know, I, for me, um, it's not always just about, is this going to, you know, something that I'm going to feel good about, or I'm going to like, um, is this something that is going to hurt the other person or totally. is, um, is this something that is going to be bad for me in the long run, even if I don't, um, feel like it is, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, again, um, you look up, you know, the, you know, the look up, you know, statistics on, on hookup culture and, you know, it's not, it's not pretty, you know, um, you know, again, I, you know, in places where I have gone farther than I would like, it's tended to hurt the other person, even if they said it didn't, you know, and which has definitely given me kind of a perspective on, you know, just because there's a consensual thing going on doesn't mean the other person always is um, going on that is is going on that journey in that way or knows that again, you know, you know, you were talking about the what you were looking up at the data before about. Yeah, about well, I'll, I'll I'll jump in here and say it was interesting. I was in preparation for this episode. I was looking because I can have all of my um, uh, theological answers, right? And pretty much everyone listening to this already knows all the answers that your church or your pastor would give. But here at the podcast, we really want to look at actual objective data, whether that and sometimes that actually goes against what most pastors are saying. Right. But I, one of the things that was important for me is I was scouring for as many of the, the studies I could find on hookup culture. Um, and just and I kind of also was mixing it with my um, long term study of just mental health. And what what it was interesting that I found is the, the vast majority of people um, had long term had regrets. Now, they did a study where they took a lot of college students and talked about it in the moment. And in the moment, mm -hmm. uh, the majority of both men and women had positive associations with a hookup. They found mm -hmm. that in the longitudinal studies that down the line, 
they found uh, that it, that the the not just the majority, the grand majority, especially of women, um, were very regretful of having encountered um, uh, what they defined as sex with a stranger, uh, typically intercourse or <clears throat> oral sex. And so I thought that was interesting, but you can't just trust one study, you know, one college. And so I looked at, it was probably 10 or 15 studies that have been conducted since the 80s up until now. And they found that this is almost consistently true with the same very close percentages across the board. Uh, and one of the interesting things about the study, a, a recent study was they actually asked, um, why did you feel bad uh, mm, they, yeah. to, the, to the women and the men? And they keep on finding that upwards of 75 to 80, sometimes 90% of people had large regrets having done that. Uh, and the, the two main reasons were the majority of women, the, I'll start with the men, the majority of men said they regret because they felt like they used somebody. That they, even though it was consensual, even though they both agreed, even though they were both there, they felt bad because they felt that they had used someone sexually. And you know that. And when you don't have a connection, I, I would argue that when you don't have a, a monogamous uh, or or even a long term committed connection, there is going to be an element of using someone to, as you said, scratch an itch. Right? We we all have a, a natural, God given, good desire for. Um, I'm trying to think of the, the nice Christian word to say this, being horny. That's a good <laughs> thing that God, that, that is programmed into your into your being. It's beautiful. And Christians have done a huge disservice by trying to say that natural proclivity inclination is a bad thing. It's not as beautiful. It creates life. But at the same time, anything beautiful and good and strong, I believe, needs to be um, used and uh, uh, practiced in a way that brings life both emotionally, both relationally, both physically, all these different things. And so it was interesting to me that the men said they felt bad for having used someone, the women, I think it was upwards of 75% said they felt they had been used, not in the moment, but I think it was a year or two or three down the line, which I think is mm -hmm. really, really interesting. And so all of these studies together indicate to me that there might be a little bit of objectivity here. While, like mm -hmm. Joseph said, it is good to ask these questions and to say, what feels good for me? What, what, there, there yeah. is also a danger, I would say, push back a little bit <clears throat> to saying, um, well, I'm just going to explore this because even in exploration, people can get hurt, right? Because right. a lot of, and so that's what I've always, especially as a guy, especially knowing um, how, uh, how, do I, how do I say this? I, I, with all the stories that have been coming out in the past yeah. few years, I, it has made me, and I consider it a good thing if people listen, no, I'm a big proponent of the Me Too movement in many ways. Um, I'm a proponent of, of questioning what you're doing and how it not only affects you, but someone else. But even more than that, the thing that I would say my personal experience has been I, I went through a, a deconstruction of a sort as well. Um, I don't know that I consider myself an evangelical. I don't know what the words are, but a lot of the things I believe, as many people in the podcast know, would probably be considered heretical by a great many of you, um, or a great many of the just the, the grand Christian culture. Um, but the reason I came to a lot of these beliefs, whether it's I don't believe hell exists, you know, sue me. I just don't see evidence for that, and I don't think it's congruent with the God I know. Um, so the... For me, it's I, I look at all of the universe, look at myself, look at others as created. And I see that every created thing has an intention. And so for me, the question isn't so much what makes me uh, feel good, what makes not just feel good, I'm not trying to dilute what you say, but what, what makes me feel healthy, what makes me feel fulfilled. But ultimately, whatever is created 
has an intention. What is the intention behind the thing? And so when it comes to sexuality, the question isn't, is hookup culture good for me? Or the question isn't, is porn okay? Like we talked about last time. The question is, what is this created for? And if it's created with intention, if I use it the way it was created, it's going to best serve myself and those around me and bring the most life. So that's kind of where I start with the question. And then when I couple the the studies on about hookup culture with that, it gives me a fuller picture of maybe this isn't the best way to use sexuality. Well, and I'll, I'll, I'll add to this, you know, one of the things and, and certain you know, feminist writers who kind of talk about hookup culture um, have talked about this uh, too, is that the culture of hookups that says this is something that is um that can be you can do one of the most intimate things that's possible to do badly with a person and not as they put it catch feelings and there has been a cocoa culture saying it can be just a casual thing which you know sex what which sort of encourages a lot of us to be sort of sexual psychopaths i think in a sense because we're meant to be attracted to the person an intimate person and then be attached. We're meant to, when we do intimate things with other people, become attached. And the sort of the, the Cosmo industry, the industry of people saying that, okay, we, you know, we basically want to brainwash you out of the fact that when you are intimate with people, you become attached, becomes a part of that um, encouraging culture that seems to be, again, when you look at the data, it seems that, no, we are meant to be attracted and attached um, and even if I'm not feeling it in the moment, I'm participating in something that is dehumanizing to me and to others. That seems to be what the evidence says um, by large. Uh, what would, So what would your kind of pushback be to our pushback on sort of, uh, of rampant experimentation? Yeah, yeah. So I would say, well, a lot of things. I mean, A, like I, what I, my experience, experience of what you're sharing is that you're sharing about hookup culture from the extreme version of it just as when uh, typically when we talk about purity culture we're talking about the most extreme terrible things about it you know like the more i've explored the more i'm like man i see how much beauty is in purity culture i i see Mm -hmm. how much you know drama i've saved for 37 years not wondering do i have an sti like who gave me that sti like that is drama and stress that I feel really protected from. Um, and also want to, you know, normalize STIs for people. Um, sure. If you have one, you're, it's okay. You're um, valuable and, and yeah. Yeah. I, but I feel like just as like, it's not fair to say like all purity culture was all crap and it was all terrible and it was all oppressive. Well, no, like it came from a good heart. Just as with hookup culture, what I hear you talking about, it, what what's coming to my mind is like, drunken sorority and fraternity parties where it's like people are getting wasted and having sex and having you know most of the time women are not having pleasurable experiences you don't remember it and you don't want to quote unquote catch feelings so what i would encourage or invite you is like is there an experience outside of both extremes because also what I'm hearing you say is another blanket like for all people at all times I'm 37 years old and I would prescribe, or I wouldn't even say prescribed, I would invite a 37-year-old into something different than I would a 15-year-old, mm-hmm. than I would a 17-year-old, than I would a 21-year-old. Your brain isn't fully formed until you're 25. And I, so I think that is where I'm saying, let's approach with some nuance here. And I remember talking with my baby, I have 
two baby sisters in college. I mean, poor things. They have old an older sister that wrote book on sex. And, you know, um, <laughs> but you know what I told them a long time ago was like, Hey, like, here's the thing about sex. You know, you're going to do what you want to do, but if you're going to be doing adult things, we get to have adult conversations. Mm -hmm. And if you're having sex, let's talk about protection. Let's talk about pleasure. Let's talk about consent. Let's talk about you voicing what it is that you do or do not like, or do or do not want, or do or do not feel comfortable with. Let's mm -hmm. talk about birth control. Let's talk about contraceptions. Let's talk about what do you need to feel safe in a sexual experience? Let's talk about how no one can actually give or receive consent if they're under the influence or if you're overtired or if you are super hungry, like there's things that hinder consent. And so I think again, like before we even have a conversation about hookup culture, it's, we need to have conversations about, well, how do we give and receive consent? We have to have information. We have to have holistic sex education. We have to have contraception available for all people. Um, and we need to learn what is out there so then that we can make a holistic decision. And as far as, yeah, hookup culture in college goes, yeah, I would say that that is like totally not helpful. And I think it, <laughs> That's it, a way promotes... to put it. I like that. <laughs> I, I like actually the helpful language. I think that actually casts it in a new light. I think that's very, because I think we do as Christians say things are sinful or wrong or or good or bad too often. And, and what I hear you mm -hmm. saying is this conversation maybe should take place in a gray middle rather than the extremes, which I appreciate. Yeah. But I like the yeah. idea of helpfulness because yeah. helpful says, what do you want? Who are you trying to mm -hmm. become? And also it, it, it thinks about who someone else is trying to become and who yeah. someone else wants. And so I like the helpful language. Sorry. Continue. Yeah. Well, yeah, because then we're not demonizing it. We're saying, all right, like to your point, you know, it's, it's more than what feels good in the moment. So before, so what I have done for myself is I've normalized the desire. So I've oh, normalized, yes. all right, I'm feeling super turned on right now. I really feel like having sex with a person or I'm so yep. attracted to this person I'm dating. I feel it's super horny right now. Thing. It's like, normal. It's good. It's yes. So normal. And then from there I get to say, all right, so what, what do I want to happen tonight before I go on this date? Do I, what do I, what would make me feel safe to make out with them? What would make me feel safe staying the night with this person and me getting super clear from the inside out, not, off of like rules or shame or condemnation or right or wrong, but what's going to make me feel safe? What am I? And one of my friends who is a PhD sexologist, she says, how do you want to feel right after the experience? How do you want to feel 24 hours after the experience, mm -hmm. seven days after the experience and one month after the experience? Um, and to your point, like I also ask the question, like what is going to lead to my flourishing and what is honorable? And I think that one of the most honorable things That's we can do point. is then before I go on a date with the person, I'll be like, Hey, like, I just want you to know, here's where I'm at. Mm -hmm. Here's what I'm up for. Here's what I'm not up for. I'll let you know if that changes. What do you feel comfortable with? Mm -hmm. And I remember talking with my baby sisters about this and they're like 19 and they're like, like, I can't believe you said that. That's so weird. <laughs> and I'm like, no, but like, if you're going to be, if you are thinking about getting naked with the person, you get to have naked conversations with them. Yeah, that's very important. You know, and so now, if you I are, a, I have a, I have a quick question just to make sure because I yeah. want to get this in before yeah. we, um, that so 
that's really interesting what you're saying as to, you know, the consent question, the what am I comfortable with all this? One thing that isn't often talked about, and I'm not trying to say, um, I'm saying this for both uh, men and women and anyone, just everybody, if we are headed towards a, monog a long-term monogamous relationship with someone, right? Mm -hmm. and that's our desire. Cause I think that's uh, the majority of people who are listening, the majority of people in the world, that's what they desire. Uh, they have found a lot of studies that say, if that's your goal, the, the more people you have sexual encounters with, the less likely you will have successful long-term committed relationship. And they say, it's no, they have looked into this and they, and again, feel free to disagree, but there is a lot of data on this that says it's not because of social norms. It's not because of, you know, shame. What it ends up being is that it causes a lot of pain in the partner of the person who, and, and vice versa. It brings up natural feelings of jealousy, it brings up natural feelings of that kind of thing, which again indicates to me that it was created for a purpose. But that- Well, I would really push back against that because it is, okay. that person needs to go to therapy then. <laughs> because well, I mean, well whatever my partner has or hasn't in the past is their story. And that doesn't have to say anything about our connection or what we have or haven't done. And on the flip side of that, the great sex rescue by Sheila Gregoire is a really great, like Christian evangelical perspective, but she has one of the, I think it's the biggest Christian, um, R and D statistics of she interviewed 20,000 Christian wow. married women about their sexual experiences for women who save sex until marriage, they are almost 25% more likely to have painful sex mm. to not be able to ha experience orgasm. And I mean, this is a, a woman writing this book who is like believes to save sex until marriage, but she's like, there's yeah, bad yeah. fruit here. Yeah. And so on the flip side of that, I mean, I can't tell you, I've been doing this work now for almost 10 years. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching calls with women and men who I have friends who had 10 years of sexless marriage because they got married and they saved everything for their one partner and saved making out until engagement. And it wasn't only until after they were married that they realized we're actually not even attracted to each other. Mm -hmm. And she couldn't have sex because it was too painful because of trauma. Like it's called vaginismus. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of women who grew up in purity culture have vaginismus because wow. your body literally shuts down out of oh. fear. Um, so on the other side of that, it's like, well, first of all, like jealousy, if you're, that's usually something about me, not my partner. So I get to go to yeah. therapy and, and figure that out. And also oh. we have to look at the other side of it. I'm almost done. Yeah. We have to look at the other side of it is like having one experience with one person. It can be amazing and beautiful, but there's also equal research done by people like Sheila Gregoire that's coming out where it's like, this can also be really harmful for people. And instead of saying like, one is fully right and one is fully wrong. Can we have the space for people to say, so for my friend who was in a 10 year sexless marriage, I, I ask, what does love look like? Now, and I wonder, would it be her, her having slept around in your, in your opinion or, or engaging? So I would say like moving forward, what does love look like? And I would imagine saving sex until marriage again for that person would be really traumatizing. And okay. so would love look like meeting this person in the middle and saying, Hey, like, I, yeah, I don't want to like have sex with everyone, but I don't know if waiting until marriage again is something that would be mm. a win for that person or would it be re-traumatizing? Um, so I think, yes, I, I agree. Like, again, when we're talking about hookup culture, like what I think you guys are talking about, like sort of that college age, like 
uh, like get that body count up. Like that is dehumanizing, <laughs> but also is there a space to say like, okay, in between the two extremes as an adult who has like holistic sex ed, who knows what I do and do not want. Am I able to have a casual experience and it not be harming to the person or harming to myself, not only in the moment or long-term I, I am open to that possibility. Yeah. What I'm saying. I think that's, it's that's a good question to ask. And I, and I think it's a worthy one. I think it's one that all of us who are engaging sexually or in, in dating marriage, we should be asking that question. But I also think we should be paying attention to the data that kind of leads to the answer, in my opinion. Again, uh, and, and I wanna say real quick, um, you're right, that is people's stories. If you if you have been someone who uh, did engage in hookup culture, maybe, maybe you're actually on the extreme, that, that side, and you were with a, a different person every single weekend for three years, you are no less valuable, you are no less loved, and you can dispel any of this um, old uh, rhetoric from a lot of churches that somehow uh, you are a less valuable woman or man because of it. That being said, I do want to go back to what is the healthiest for us, because I do think there's a direction of health we can move towards. And maybe you're right, maybe there is a different answer for every single person, what would be healthy for this person wouldn't be healthy for that one. But I do... I keep on coming back to what is sex for, right? And so, because if if we're asking whether hookup culture is right or wrong, that might be the wrong question. And I agree with you on that. And and I think it's too easy one to say yes or no. But for me, it's such a more interesting question. What is sex for, really? And to me, as Joseph pointed out earlier, sex is for the physical bonding of two united minds, hearts, and uh, souls. And I think it's for the for the purpose of um, creating a safe uh, and loving and also consensual place um, inside a, a committed long-term relationship that we see has high benefit um, to all of us. And so to me, I do see that there is a purpose behind sex and that the thing, when it falls outside of that, that's when I start getting a little weary, but I always check the data and the data does seem to imply that at least in large part, um, that many people find it to be destructive and uh, uh, it being um, being physically intimate with uh, a lot of people or even a few amount of people. Many of these statistics don't, they're actually not talking about the extremes. They're talking about even one encounter with a stranger. And it seems that the majority of the time, and like you said, the majority is not 100%. There are still people in there. But this seems like it weighs in that direction, which probably means there's something intrinsic in the act. Yeah. Well, and what you have to head yeah. out pretty soon. So let's yeah. we'll, let you have the last word. Yeah. So I would just, here's what I would encourage. Listen, I love facts. I, I mean, I thrive on good statistics. And getting to know people in their stories, like real life people yeah, changes things. Yeah. yeah. I have a really strong conviction about hookup culture. I mean, I've, I wrote about it in my book and I, mm. uh, Helen Fisher, you should, you can put her Ted Absolutely. talk oh, yeah. in, my in the show notes, yeah. like why, why casual sex doesn't exist. Like I'm like, yes, 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 yes. 
And the more I've talked one-on-one with people, the more I've talked with friends who save sex until marriage, the more you're like, oh, like when you actually have a face with the name, it humanizes the topic because what happens is like when it's just numbers and it's just a black and white statistic on a page, it's so easy to demonize or to see the extreme of it. And so what I would even wonder within your community is, hey, what is, what has your experience been? Have you ever had a casual experience that felt like a win for you? What, what was that like? And what made you feel safe in that? Or if you, maybe you've had a lot of casual sexual experiences and I'm not just going to say sex, I'm just going to say experiences because Mm. that could be making out with someone or it could be having a sleepover. It could be oral sex. It could be it could be dry humping. It could be so many different things. But do you have experiences where you've experienced that where you felt safe and where it felt like honoring and glorifying to like both of you guys? And have you had experiences where that wasn't? Let's have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's where we meet the humanity of people. Well, everyone, this has been so much fun. This conversation could literally go on for hours. But if you either connected with or reacted to anything that uh, that we said or that Kat said, please send in your mail. We love getting, we love hearing your thoughts on this. And Kat, we are so happy to have you on. And I, you brought it like you always do. We always have these good pushbacks. And I'm so glad that today we actually really got two r- really uh, complimentary, but <laughs> don't use a complimentarian word. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's a whole nice yeah, another message, man. Another, <laughs> but some uh, some really different perspective on the subject. So, guys, I encourage you to check out the stuff she was talking about today. Uh, the, the resources she was talking about and engage more with the subject on yourself because no matter where you come to what you believe about this, it is important to be asking these questions as you pointed out, Kat. All right, now we're moving on to blesses and curses. Um, this is our classic segment where we take um, a work of art, media, or resource on our topic that uh, we want to bless, i.e. recommend, or curse, tell people to stay away from. So obviously we love our guests if they want to, you go first. So Kat, you said you wanted to go first uh, or open to it beforehand. So go ahead and go first. Give us your blesses and curses. Okay. Uh, Oh my gosh. Now I can't remember my blessing. Um, (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. My blessing is um, Amazon dupes are my favorite thing in the world. And there's this really extensive lip gloss called Laneige. And nice. it's like $25 and there's an amazing Amazon dupe for $15. So I will send that to you guys. <laughs> um, and gosh, curses. Oh, like I, first of all, I don't want to curse anyone, but I let curse a book they wrote or something, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Curse something they did. So this is kind of like in line. So uh, in the last few weeks, you guys have probably seen it. It went viral. Maddie Pruitt from the bachelorette. She married this guy, Grant Trout, and they saved sex until marriage. They just got married. They were on this pastor. His name is Levi, something, something talking about like saving sex to marriage. And it like so freaking triggering <laughs> for people who grew up in the purity culture. It is so cringe. A lot of I just want to pray for them and their sex lives. But it just reiterated this, this arrogant perspective of like, the harmful messaging of purity culture. And I like watched this interview and I I don't want to hate on them because they're on their own journey. But I just was like, this is like, what's wrong with the purity culture message is it's like, you're Mm -hmm. either in or you're out. You're either doing it God's way or you're a heathen. And oh, I just, 
no nuance. I just mm -hmm. like, and then I'm like, I'm sorry, but like, can you be married for more than two seconds before you're wanting to give the world sex advice? Like, <laughs> no, I've been married like... for three years and I can't stop. It didn't. Yeah. He, he didn't take long at all. No. Uh, that just irks me. It makes me so salty. I'm like, live your journey. Do not make your current pain situation a teaching point for other people. Live your journey. Talk about it 10 years from now, like be in your process. Okay, that those are great. Um, and uh, we're going to go with our blessings and curses now. Uh, Kat had to uh, step away for uh, an appointment, but we will now uh, unleash all of our opinions on what you <laughs> should like and dislike now. Yes. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm going to um, do a couple blesses. And I and I believe I've, I've blessed these before. I think one even like really recently. <laughs> Um, but real quick, I'm just going to bless friends with benefits just because it's so apropos here. Yeah. Um, and it really does, uh, show that you can have all these, these, uh, these ideas about how sex should just be this physical act. It's not a big deal. Who cares? And that's what the characters start out in the, in the beginning of the film, just kind of wanting, you know, emotionless, easy, uh, hookup culture sex. And so it's perfect for our topic today. But what, what I really love about it is that it actually is kind of honest about humanity. It doesn't say, you know, this is what it should be like. It actually says, well, what is it actually like? And it shows you two characters who are actually unable to divorce sexuality from emotion, from their hearts, their minds. And um, I won't give much away by saying they fall <laughs> in love, but it, it shows that that's really just not possible with humans. That that's not why sex was created. Sex yeah. is an act that is meant to bring people closer, not just physically, yeah. but mentally yeah. and emotionally. And the fact that they can't separate, you know, um, sex from attachment is not a flaw. It's the the way it's supposed to be. It's the yes, good thing. it's the way it's designed. And, and that was one thing that I kept on coming back today because I it was a great conversation with Kat, but it it I still want to ask the question, what is sex for? If it yeah. if we believe in that everything has been designed and, uh, and and that we have a designer. We, my question always has to come back to what was it designed for? And yeah. so I really see that in in science and statistics, and even just anecdotal evidence yeah. that to me, sex has an overwhelming um, amount of evidence that it's for the connection of uh, of drawing people and connecting to committed people. Um, so that, that's just, I, lo I love Friends with Benefits. It's really fun also. Um, and, and, and I'm going to bless something on the other side that shows the mm. detriment of using sex outside of mm. its design. And it's, uh, it's, it's, I, I will go out on a limb and say, this might be one of the greatest shows ever made. And that will, that might be a little controversial, but it's one of the best written shows I've ever seen. It's called Fleabag. And this hmm. has to Walter Bridge in it, who is just absolutely phenomenal and fantastic. Her acting, uh, she wrote, I believe she wrote, directed, and starred in it. Um, but her acting and writing are absolutely superb. And it's essentially about a, a, a woman who's a mess, whose life is a wreck. And we find out why and the things that led to, uh, you know, the, um, her growing up, her years, her, her her different issues, but it shows a woman whose life is just an utter um, mess. And one of the ways uh, that she tries to solve that mess, that pain, that hurt, that trauma is by sleeping with a lot of random people. And it goes to show that one, that this um, act that she's carrying out with all these people, it it is roots out of pain and yeah. depression and hurt. So what it shows is that 
that this this act, this um, this choice, these uh, series of choices she's making isn't rooted in just, I want to explore and have fun and I want to discover. That might be what she says, but really what it shows is it's rooted in her pain, her insecurity, yeah. her anxiety, her desire for intimacy without actually knowing how to form yeah. connections with people. And um, that's what the statistics really back up too. I, I can't remember if I said it earlier or not, but um, many of these studies have shown a high correlation between depression and anxiety yeah. and um, promiscuous behavior. And so to me, it's something to uh, look at and acknowledge and say, wow, um, if there's such a high correlation of depression of people who have depression who are acting like this and the people who have a high correlation of anxiety who are, who are um, uh, living this kind of life, there might be something to explore there that isn't healthy. So it shows that she is yeah. doing this out of a place of pain. Yeah. And um, and so, so it's just, it's honest about yeah. life. And I think that's the thing I really appreciate. It. It's rough. It's not for kids. No. It's a hard watch. It, it's really, it's, um, it's also very funny, but it's honest about life. And that's, I think around this topic, I want to be, there's a lot of different, you know, beliefs on either side. This is good. That's good. I want to look and see what's actually true. And I think that Fleabag brilliantly um, gets the heart of what's true about humanity and sexuality and intimacy. Very cool. And now curses. Oh boy. It was actually hard to find a curse because it, you know, funnily enough, we are the hookup culture and sleeping around is just such a normal part of life. It's yeah. it's hard to like pick it out of things. You're like there. Cause many of the things I actually love, I mean, how in your mother yeah. um, is full of it. You know, I, I could curse um, Barney and how he looks at um, yeah. women as a conquest and how he does this, but and, and even the, the virtuous characters portray, you know, casual hookups as a legitimate, pathway to finding the um you know person you want to be with monogamously that's when every study says that's that's actually yeah. a harder way to go yes. about it uh which is interesting yeah so there's i could curse particular things in particular you know little um but it's just so pervasive yeah things but man it, it was hard but um oh shoot what wait what was i going to curse Oh, it's the Rio Grande. What was it? The title of that? Oh, that's right. The Rio, it's a recent movie that came out with, and it makes me so sad because I love Emma Thompson so uh, much. Yeah. Uh, but is is uh, wait? What was the title again? I I can't remember. It's a terrible it, title. There's too. Rio Grande as part of the title. Hold on, Emma Rio Tom Grande is part of the title. And yeah. Anyway, it's about Emma Thompson. Rio woman. Grande is in the title. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's about a woman who, um, in her her older years. I think her husband dies. And by the way, I haven't seen this, so I'm just blindly cursing this. <laughs> but there's but just I'm I'm blindly cursing the concept of this. Um and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it actually really teaches something very true and good. So let me know if you've seen it and I'll and I'll reverse my curse. But just the concept of this makes me sad. And it's a it's a woman who an older woman who I guess her husband dies and she um didn't have a very fulfilling sex life with him. And so she has a sex bucket list. And so she hires a male prostitute, a young male prostitute, like 30 years younger than her, um, to fulfill all those things. One, if this was in reverse, and this was a 60-something guy who hires a young prostitute to fulfill his um, sex bucket list, we would all be throwing up. And rightfully <laughs> so. Yeah. And so it's weird to see a movie that touts itself as one about empowerment when you have someone ex to me exploiting a human being for a list they want to um check down the line 
And then the, the I think the worst thing is what I believe I, I read about the ending is that it does prove um, fulfilling for her to do this, mm-hmm. that she does this and now she's happy. She, so she essentially uses a much younger person yeah. for her sexual wish list. And now she's happy and fulfilled in a way that her long-term husband um, never brought her. Now she's happier than ever. And I'm going, wow, that's so sad. And yeah. I think it's a lie too. <laughs> yeah. And you can always pick out anecdotal people say, well, this is sort of my experience that's reflective of that. But overwhelming majorities, it's like, you know, married people have more satisfying sex lives, you know, the and 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 there is this like stereotype that like, ah, the ordinary average you know, marriage is, you know, unadventurous, unexciting uh, sexually. Yeah. And and it it reinforces that stereotype. It makes the anecdotal experience seem like the average experience. Um, yeah. And I even have, I have a big bias even towards anecdotal experiences. Sure. I, I think it's, um, of, co- of course, you know, there are people who saved themselves for, for marriage and did all the, you know, quote unquote, right religious things. And then they have terrible sex lives and their intimacy yeah. is messed up. But to assume that the antidote to that is um is sleeping around is allowing uh random people into the most intimate parts of your life yeah. that you don't have any connection with or commitment to i think is a is a failed is a flawed logic yeah i think that to assume that you have bad sex with someone even though you waited um is a result of not having had lots of sex with other people uh one i don't think it's backed up by the social science and the evidence or the studies Two, I just think it's a classic case of correlation does not equal causation. Need to go to therapy. The people, the people who are who are asserting that that must be the reason, do not typically typically assume that rather than actually drawing a uh, compelling inference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. So, yeah, that that's something that yeah we, we see a lot of. But I think um, again, I keep on coming back to this: what is sex for? Yeah, what is it made for? And uh, and I know that's a question we'll all have to answer, but one thing I don't think it's made for is just recreation. I think it's a, a deep and um, I think it's a sacred act and call me a crazy Christian, but that, that's me. But Joseph, crazy Christian, crazy Christian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yes. OK, so I'm going to go reverse order curses and then blesses because I'm I there's problem and solution. I'm I'm uh, cursing sort of what I d- deem to be the um, hookup culture industrial complex of (laughs) wow of 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 you know and that it includes you know things like cosmo and you know and and Mm. podcasts like i'll even call out and say like you know call her daddy podcast Mm. um and uh but on on and that's sort of on the female side but on the manosphere side you know you have the um the rational male podcast and you know andrew tate's whole empire that basically you know teaches men and women that wrong things about sex and that you know on the women's side again they 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 there's ever they're always saying here's how to have empowering sex and not catch feelings again as if going attachment is a flaw to be exercised and you know and 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 they're again all of these podcasts and aries are doing that it's telling you the thing that's natural and good is unnatural and something to get through and get over and it's very you know it's 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 having a delusional idea of it that is hurting people that is advising people to do things that will almost definitely hurt them if not definitely like you said again it's like 80 90 percent like regret doing it and they're saying go do that thing it's like that's that is a 
and again, we can have an argument about like whether or not you should, you know, shame people for engaging in behavior. We absolutely should shame people with platforms who are advising people to engage in the behavior when yeah. it's harmful. Well, and this is a good place to say, um, Joseph and I obviously have strong opinions on sexuality. Yeah. We believe in design. We believe in it, you know, its usage in a particular way. Um, but we believe that because we think it's best for humans. Yeah. Not because we think that if you've used it another way, you're less of a person, you're less valuable, you are less anything. You are as loved, as valuable as anyone, no matter Absolutely. how you've used sex in any way. We just want to look at the healthiest way so that we can go about living our lives in the best and fullest way possible. Yeah. No, I mean, the reason I think it's a problem that these people are peddling these things is because I think people are going to be hurt by it. And so it's, you know, it's the well, people's humanity. I've been hurt by it. So yes. this is not me being like, I'm so moral. No, no, I've been hurt I've by been it. Hurt by, yes. so, uh, yeah. so that's something to remember. This is not against people. You are yeah, loved. No, this is for people. Um, I want, we want everyone to live healthy. And I'm going to, I'm going to call out, you know, again, I've certainly watched and listened to more on the manosphere side than the women's because I'm a man, but, you know, and so I will call out specifically on the manosphere side of this. One of the things they're always doing is, which I think is very monstrous is they will say, it's perfectly fine for men to prefer women who have had less sexual experience because, you know, a lower body count is how they put it, because women who, you know, have, you know, have slept with fewer people are less damaged, you know, mm. I'm not saying that that but that's what they say. Yeah. Yet they still advise men to go out and sleep with random women. And so I'll say, so you are saying, you know, it damage, you believe it damages women, but you're advising men to go out and do it anyway. Damage women and damage women. You that's are a bad disgusting. person that you are that's a disgusting. bad yeah. person. Yes. So like that, that is the, I would say any, any manosphere person who uses that logic, even if they don't tie those notes, who says both those things is a bad person and you should not listen to them. That so, is that your curse? That's yes. Yes. So that's my full curse. I'm leaving the curse there. Yes. So nice. Uh, so on the blessing side, I'm, I'm I want to find places. Okay, people like I still want to navigate this world. You know, who can I? You know, what places can I go for advice on navigating this world? Obviously, kind of if you're if you're in sort of the place where you know the stuff that um, you know Kat Harris says is compelling to you, definitely check out her stuff. I also for on the women's side, I definitely um, you know people we've had on the podcast before. Um, like, you know, Kate Warman's Heart of Dating. I think that if, you know, she's got, you know, some good stuff to do, that's that's a good advice for women uh, that's not in the hookup culture industrial complex. Um, also, you know- It has you, a healthy view of sex, desire, dating, that's good and beautiful, but also- Yeah, um, it doesn't shame you for your desires, but it yes. does give you, you know, does give you a positive way forward. Also, I'm going to shout out, obviously, another friend of the podcast. You may have heard of her, Kelia Clarkson's uh, Dear Wallflower Journal, also trying to do that. I think that that's a positive. She's doing positive Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Um, I'm also going, so on the on the men's side, um, I'm going to call a couple, because, um, uh, you know, again, men are also, we talk about a lot about women, rightly so, trying to figure out this, navigate this stuff. Um, men are also trying to figure out how to navigate this stuff. And I think that, uh, Chris Williamson, who does Modern Wisdom podcast, has as is good at helping, has done a good job of like helping men to navigate. Okay, what what's actual data on all of this stuff? Yeah. How do we navigate this? Um, and then of course, I'm going to get a lot of hate mail for this again, but it's okay. Uh, but I'm I'm going to I'm going to say that probably one of the people that does a the a best job of um of ex of of showing men why it should be beautiful to see um. Uh, sex is something that's for attachment and love and commitment rather than using exploiting other people is Jordan Peterson. 
You know, he's 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 mm. probably one of the the best people I know that could say, no, you should want um, to not exploit people and should not see women to be this way in a way and um, in a, and not see women as the enemy, not see women as. A, and he's one of the best people he's able to speak that in men's language. So controversial. I does he write about this? I've actually never he, read. Him. He, re- he, he's, write he writes this? about this. He writes about this in. Um, 12 Rules for Life and and Beyond Order, uh, but he also like has a lot of if you if you do a YouTube look at him talking about, you know, um, you know, marriage and relationships, he does a, a good a good job of showing that. So if if, if men are looking for an alternative, um, that is also, uh, I think, a compelling one. Um, so, yeah, definitely. that. So, yeah, those would be my blesses and curses uh, as well. Um, and oh, yes. So uh, thank you. Uh, obviously, Kat Harris is not here, but um uh, we thank her. Really love having her on the podcast. She's a great, great guest with a lot of strong opinions, which we like and very well. And she and she's ones that she's gone through her experience and thought out herself. So we're love to having her on. Nathan, and we're going to put in right here. Yes. Uh, the ways that you can get in contact with her and engage with her, um, her, her, her stuff, her, her writing, her podcast, all of that. So check out here. Yeah, so I'm most active right now on Patreon. I have a Patreon community. It's patreon.com slash the refined collective. We do a monthly book club. We've done stuff like Come As You Are, Female Sexuality by Emily Nagoski. This month we're reading Cast About Racism in America by Isabel Mm. Wilkerson. It's $5 to join. I have a monthly podcast called The Refined Collective and Instagram, The Refined Woman. Nice. Well, and grab her book too, unless you, unless you now disavow it, but also grab her book, Sex <laughs> in the City. It's like one of the best titles for a book I've heard, especially for a Christian book in a long time. So Kat, thank you so much for coming on. Um, go to your meeting, but it's sure. been a pleasure and a blast as always. Now back to our show. Okay. And if you want to uh, get in touch with us or Nathan, uh, where should they go? They can go to nathanclarkson.me. I also encourage you to maybe check out my book, Good Man. I have a chapter mm. um, on uh, this issue of sexuality and intimacy um, from a guy's perspective um, that I think might be interesting to people. And you can at least just kind of see where I am on all of this and where I've come to. And, you know, kind of uh, I asked the question that I asked today, which is what what is sexuality for and how, at least as guys in this particular book, how do we act this out in the way that's most beneficial to us and others and and use it in the way it was designed to be used. Uh, so check out my book, Good Man, if you want to. You can also connect with me on any of the socials. Just search my name, Nathan Clarkson. Awesome. And you can search on for me on any of the socials as well. Um, and also go to my website, justholmestudios.com. Go to my, um, uh, see, check out my, uh, musings on faith and culture and film at religionunplugged.com. And also, of course, I have an article uh, out in Relevant Magazine about asking why Hollywood thinks we live in a dystopia. Um, you Check it out. I really enjoy putting it together and very grateful for Revelant for um, uh, to uh, platforming me. So, um, yes, thank you very much again, everyone, for joining us. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. Mm-hmm.